You're listening to the Joint Practices Podcast. Dad, who am I named after? You're named after my favorite thing in the world, son. Winning. With your host, Sean Lamont. People are going to listen to the first 20 seconds and be like, nope, this sucks. <laughs> Steve Knox. No, but I'm going to tell Elijah to go masturbate with maple syrup tonight. Let me know how that goes for you. And Elijah Arnold. You know what I did? I put some fucking honey and sugar around the rim and I drank it like a basic bitch. Are you excited, girl? I'm so excited, girl. Yo! Welcome back to the Joint Practices Podcast. This is the podcast for fans, by fans. That's fans like me. I'm your host, Sean Lamont, on Twitter, at 11thegoat. Joined tonight by my two co-hosts, here for episode 107 on the Twitter bird at the Knox says, Mr. Super Sticky Steve Knox. Here we go again. Another year of disappointment. As we do every year on the Joint Practices Podcast, but also joining us, someone who's not used to losing and doesn't have to get used to it right now. On the Twitter bird, at Wrong Elijah, Mr. Elijah Arnold, welcome You like that? Steve doesn't like that. Oh, Shots fired, we just walked through the door, Elijah comes out, guns blazing, bam, bam, bam. That's how I'm going to get through this right here. Is there any pumpkin in that? No. That's whack. That's whack, that's whack. Also whack was week one of the NFL because all kinds of bad stuff happened. Everywhere I looked. Patriots won. Couldn't get any worse than that. No, but for real, we're going to talk about some football tonight. The return. It is all time for the return of one of your favorite segments. Shout out to the It's All Timers. (laughs) Let's hop right into the week one recap. All right, Elijah, why don't you start? So at least the first five minutes of the podcast are clean. Okay. Uh, wait. What? I can't swear for the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the one that's supposed to be clean? <laughs> I thought you edited this podcast. Okay. Uh, so first off, before any team-specific stuff, week one was... Crazy, right? There were more upsets. There was sloppier play, more missed field goals. Uh, Every time you turned around, there was just absolute ridiculousness, which was kind of expected, but I I, I don't know our pick'em scores. I haven't looked. I know I got absolutely slaughtered. Well, I won't spoil it, so people have to listen to the pick'em episode later this week, but you didn't do as bad as Madden. Woof. Whew. I mean, it was a week where, like, I mean, you've got, you've got, I mean, at least the Jets are the Jets. You know, it's good that that happened. <laughs> but other than that, Jacksonville comes in, uh, the football team, the football team, I mean, we'll talk about it. Um, Tom Brady, what, like, what didn't happen this week? It got, so coming into the week, I was excited for football. Leaving the week, I am amped for this ridiculous season that we're watching. I'll tell you that I made a few notes, and I just wrote week one observations. One thing that kind of bothered me was how we're supposed to take the coronavirus so seriously. They're doing all the testing. They got all these things in place. How many coaches did you see on the sideline with fucking chin straps on instead of masks? Yeah, a lot. Yep, I think uh, guys have them like under their chin or just hanging from their ear or neck gaiters just around their neck. Dude, you're on TV. Put your fucking mask on. Yeah, the NFL the- came out and said that they're they've basically told the coaches you need to have the mask on on the sidelines. I know Sean McVay said in his Zoom meeting. He's like, yeah, I feel like that was pointed at me because I didn't even have one at all. He's like, at least some of these guys had them like on their body. <laughs> well, you know what's stupid about the whole thing is you're watching the game. The refs are all wearing masks, but every time the ref has to make a call, he takes his mask off. And he's got the Does microphone the micro- inside the mask. <laughs> the 
Even if he didn't, do you think the mask is going to prevent the microphone from picking up his voice? There's no need for the rest to take it off. Especially when there's players just walking around him willy-nilly. I don't know. That part bothered me. You, but uh, also, you see Andy, the... you see Andy Reid? No, Andy Reid couldn't see anything either. <laughs> he, he needs a windshield wiper on that thing. <laughs> he does. He needs a, a, a dehumidifier inside of his face shield. <laughs> like, he went full-on, like, uh, Thunderdome he, there. Like, it was amazing. It's like when you have glasses on and you lean over the oven. Oh, steam hits you in the glasses and you can't see anything. Anyways. Uh, did you guys happen to notice? I don't know. I didn't notice it live. I noticed this on the rewatch, but the crowd noise sounds. It, you, it's not really a part of it for me watching it live, but when I list, like watched it back today, the condensed versions of the games that had the headphones on, the crowd noise is so bad. Uh, apparently, they took recordings from all the team's previous year's home games, so all last year's home games. They re- they took that recorded sound, and that's what they're using. And it's not even like... I don't think anybody proof listened to this stuff because I think it was the Jacksonville Colts game I was watching, and it was like a third and six, and the Colts had the ball. And like in the middle of the play, you could hear somebody in the crowd go, well, that was offsides. <laughs> and it was not relevant to anything that was going on. I was like, wait, well, yeah, that was weird. And then later on, you hear a girl scream something like, oh, what the hell did she, some, I don't know, something, again, irrelevant to what was going on on the screen. I think they're just like playing random crowd. You know, the cr- They noted crowd was excited during touchdown. Okay, we'll use that. <laughs> really, some guy's like, yeah. Let's go play Gator Golf, guy. I remember the simpler times when you'd get fined for phoning in crowd noise. You know what the worst part is? It's required by the league if you don't have fans in the stadium to pump it in. Stupid. So you need it for the broadcast. You do. Like, whether it's good or not, whether they're doing a good job or not, I, I didn't have it turned up so loud I could hear people yelling about offsides, but... You, yeah, you need like I didn't notice it watching it live. There, you absolutely do. Listening back in condensed versions, I'm sure. Yeah, and, and maybe they'll improve it. I don't know. Maybe they'll. Well, and that's also I had the headphones come up with on. Something. So, but uh, you like having watched differing sports this year, football needs just ambient noise there. So, I I don't love and, it. I don't hate it. It's the same thing they do for soccer over in Europe, which has seemed to be fine. I think if they have to just set it to like a a normal rambling level and not even change the variation on it. If it's just normal human talking white noise, I'm fine with that too. You just need some white noise for an NFL game. Yep. Uh, One of the other things while watching was, did you guys in your games happen to notice where the field mics like super loud? Uh, again, that Colts Jacksonville game, you could hear everything they were saying. That's why you need the crowd noise. They say something. <laughs> I'm like, really turn bad the field thing. mics down. Who's producing this? Who's mixing this or not? I'm sure that depends on whatever network it's on. Um, Freaking Greg Gumble was having a field day. Yeah. No. And then sometimes it'll, uh, the, all of a sudden, the sound will just completely drop out. And that's when someone said something really, really bad. And they just <laughs> cut sound for like 10 seconds. So, no, I think there's some presentation stuff to work on. But for a very strange week, week one, it uh, it was acceptable. I didn't get yep. drawn completely out of it like I have in other sports. Like baseball, I can't even watch right now. Basketball's tough, too. So I think they did a, a – I think football's more conducive to, to being played right now in terms of presentation. That being said, I said for two months I didn't think they'd play, and apparently I was wrong, so – yeah, they uh now let's see I, if we can do two weeks in a row. I think with football too, it's easier to accept there not being people there cuz you rarely see the crowd anyway like coming into and going out to a you know, commercial break, they might look at the fans or whatever, but 
for the most part, you don't actually see the crowd. So I think it's easier to accept, whereas like yeah. basketball, obviously the crowd's in the shot. Baseball. Someone hits a big three, the crowd all on their hands. Uh, all on their, yeah. yeah, on their hands. Uh, all on their feet. <laughs> uh, the same thing, like even in hockey, you you know, you get that drawn out view where you can see the the fans, you know, across the ice. And so I think it was easier to just strangely watch, the sport watch football I've with nobody there. Fans the most in golf. Yeah, uh, uh, watching the the PGA Championship or uh, even a co- the BMW before that, someone nails a sixty eight foot putt to win it. You're expecting the roar, and there was no. Yeah. It was just him, and he was like, "Yeah, I did it." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I guess that's I bet what the golfers." If, if one guy's there, I bet the golfers are really going to hate not having fans coming up at the U.S. Open, considering somebody pulled a twenty four ounce can of Arnold Palmer out of the rough. At winged foot yesterday, <laughs> took a video of it. Like and that, that's not going to get trampled down. I don't know how you're going to find your ball in that. I know it's a football podcast. <laughs> They're calling it the second massacre at winged foot. Isn't that the coolest name for a sporting event? Yes, the massacre at winged foot. All right, <laughs> back to football. Yeah. So uh, tell us about the Patriots, would you? Just get over with. I got to pull my notes up then. One Eleven second. minutes ago, I was further down on the list. All right, so the New England Patriots played the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we heard all offseason how the Dolphins were going to compete this year, and now that the Patriots won, we've heard that uh, it was just the Dolphins. So that doesn't make a ton of sense, but that's fine. Uh, Cam Newton played well. Didn't sling it around the yard. He threw it under 20 times. He rushed for two touchdowns. He didn't turn it over at all. Uh, they had a fumble near a, the goal line from uh, Nikhil Harry that kind of kept it close. So, Nikhil can we Harry. talk about how uh, Jim Nance kept calling him Henry? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jim Nance is uh, still quarantined, apparently. It's okay. Watching the Vikings-Packers game, somebody referred to Aaron Rodgers as Brett Favre. <laughs> Yeah, what? He literally called him Favre, and he did it twice. I missed that. <laughs> but uh, one thing about your Patriots there is when they signed Cam, you remember when they were like, we're not going to change the offense for him. <laughs> he, you know, We're going to have him they run lied. our system. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, because when did you ever see Brady run the ball fucking 25 times in a game? First, for 75 first day, yards. First day in a Patriots uniform, and he sets the rushing record for the franchise in one single game. Yeah, and I didn't think he ran unjustly any time. Like, most of the times he had the yards, he just took it easily and and saved himself a hit. Uh, Dude, they're running the Auburn Tigers offense. That's what they're doing. I know. I'm super excited about it. Fucking running the option and... Quarterback yeah. powers only the bear. Uh, only the Bills run quarterback power. Yeah, um, he showed great accuracy on the short passes. They didn't sling it like around or anything crazy. Admittedly, it's week one. Who knows what the offense evolves into? If that's the offense all year, you know they'll run into some. They'll certainly run into some roadblocks with teams that are more disciplined, better, better defensively. Uh, you can't just score 21 points and, and you know win all season long. But defense played substantially better than I thought they would after losing uh, the defense. And uh, secondary, solid. Stephon Gilmore, another interception, though he did have two pass interferences, but one was a little soft. Um, nah, they were both pretty bad. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one where he didn't turn around at all, and he's like, "What did I do?" Hey. Well, you didn't fucking turn hey. around, hey. mustard lips. Hey, hey, continue. Can I? Yeah. Um. Other than that, I looking at the the first week without Tom Brady. If you you know you go back five months ago, whenever the I don't know I lost track of time because of Corona. It could have been two years ago. Whenever Tom Brady was like, I'm taking my talents to Tampa Bay, because that's something an adult would say. Um, <laughs> if you told me this was the first game of the post-Tom Brady era, sign me up for it 10 out of 10 times. Like, I have oh, yeah. very few negative takeaways of this. They still have a kicking problem. 
Nick Folk's not a good kicker. They spent a fifth round draft pick on a kicker that is probably not a good kicker. So that could certain like when you're playing 21 to you know 17 games, you need to make your field goals. So that could certainly uh, uh, be an issue a little later in the year. But I thought it was I thought it was solid. Like I I had no complaints. It was 21 11. I thought it felt like a bigger lead than that. Uh, the Nikhil Harry fumble through the end zone was huge in terms of keeping the Whoopsie. game close. Like he was, he was a yard away from like, oh, this is his, this is his emergence, and a little whoopsie, and it's oh, it's another Patriots receiver that can't, uh, they can't <laughs> develop. So, I think they, the Patriots, definitely benefited from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's. Lucy goosey uh passing offense too. No, we said it was gonna happen. He's yeah. just gonna go in there and fucking throw it. And that's exactly what happened. So and again, I think the defense looked way better than I thought it would, given the fact that, you know, everybody that was there last year is either on a different team or opted out. Except for the secondary. your best two corners. The <laughs> yeah. only thing is the secondary. They kept their uh secondary except for Patrick Chung. So Yeah. And uh, didn't Daron Harmon went somewhere else, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. He he's been solid for four years, five years, four years. But you know, he's not the he's not a huge name that you would miss. It, honestly, if he left, and I don't know this for sure, I haven't kept up with him. I assume he's on the Lions now because that's what happens. <laughs> that's probably a Daron <laughs> Harmon. Fair, fair assumption. But Ron yeah, Harmon so, is an American football safety for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, so it's definitely going to be interesting uh, to see how this defense uh, matches up with Seattle on Sunday night. That's a little lower in the sheet, Steve. I know. We'll no, get there, but, but just to close out on the Patriots game, I think there was no better opponent for week one for them. Because they are, they're going to be a soft team, you know. We didn't expect them to be fucking ten and five, ten and six, ten and seven, ten and plus as many losses as it takes to get to sixteen, which would be six. Thanks for staying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Um, this was just the perfect opponent because they could beat up. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, take six. <laughs> This was just a perfect Skeeler, which is like a skier. <laughs> We're 10 minutes into like a two-hour night. You said opponent. Uh. <laughs> At least I said terrorist. <laughs> uh, shoot. All right, moving on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Losing to a team without a name. 27-17. to in a game where they had a 17 to nothing lead in the first half. What a joke. This the whole day started to go down the tubes when I was driving to my brother Steven's house to watch this game and a little bzz on my wrist and I looked down and it says Lane Johnson is inactive. Oh. So now we have a backup guard and tackle on that side. This should be great. I told my wife right then. I was like, I do not feel good about this. So Wentz comes out in the first half and slings the rock. Let's touch down. And then he hits the deep Rager bomb. Come on. I've been calling for it. Rager bomb. Got it. I was pumped. Oh, 55 yada. Not bad. Not bad. And then you hit the second half and... I don't know what I'm looking at. It all started to go downhill at the end of the first half when Jake Elliott missed the field goal, turned into seven points the other way, and then they get the ball back with like 30 seconds to go. And they just, granted, had the guy open. They went three deep bombs. Rager was open, just a little bit overthrown. And then Deshaun Jackson was open and just way overthrown. He threw it, yeah, that, way out to his right. Yeah, it was just not very accurate, but he was open. And then it went to halftime, and it just snowballed from there. The offense literally could do nothing. And I know Miles Sanders didn't play, so the run game really 
was a not good yeah. experience. Boston so, Scott was trying to play hero ball. Wasn't it's wasn't not even just yeah that it's they just had nobody with any kind of spark, and it's probably because the offensive line is blown up right now. Not to mention that they started at right tackle the fourth round draft pick from this year, Jake Driscoll. The, I'm sitting here wondering, the whole time uh, Jason Peters was playing is, I'm going to play right guard. I'm playing right guard. You, This is what I signed for. I'm not moving. They were training Matt Pryor at left tackle. He's played left tackle, and he's played right tackle. So when they find out Lane Johnson's not playing, Matt Pryor is not the first option. They put in the the rookie. Granted, he did he did all right until he got hurt. And the third, fourth string, whatever you want to call him, the Australian Jordan Mailata in his first ever NFL game has to now come in against Montez Sweat, Chase Young, and Ryan Kerrigan. And that Washington defensive line destroyed the Eagles. He had eight sacks, two fumbles, and two picks. Offensive line not is, a good day. It's the thing where you don't you don't care until it's ridiculous. Sometimes you'll oh, see that's the worst. you'll see a dominant offensive line. You think of Dallas a couple of years ago where it, it makes a difference. But a lot of times it's protect your quarterback, try to open a hole. And and you don't care that much until people are running free and until you get no push with running backs and your offense is, it sputters out and you just can't explain why. And I think that's exactly what happened to them in the second. Like, yeah, they just lost it, any ability to do anything at all, and it's not on skill players. Admittedly, skill players could have done better in the game. You can't say they couldn't have. But when you have no time and you have no openings, and there, there are giant grown ass men running at you in the backfield. There's, there's every there's single play. Yeah, that's where both it falls of those, apart. both of those uh, picks that Carson threw. You can tell it's just him with with happy feet. Got to get the ball out because he doesn't get it to the sideline. You know, puts it in a position where uh, a corner can jump the route, and steal the ball, and instead of uh, you know throwing it on the other shoulder, he uh, makes yeah, mistakes because he's fearing for his life. <laughs> We've seen. I it. put that on Carson and the coaching staff because both of those interceptions were on comeback routes, and I just feel like the. The Eagles' passing play predictability, it's become predictable. Like, it's either the uh, tight end screen to Dallas Goddard, which they try to run a thousand times. And even last year in the playoffs, Seattle said, yeah, we knew when they were going to run screens because Dallas Goddard was the wing tight end, only tight end on the field. It was like a dead giveaway. The other thing I feel like the Eagles do way too much is the I don't know what the technical route tree thing is, like stick nod type thing, but it's where the outside receiver runs the comeback and the inside receiver just runs the quick out. I think that's slant fade, whatever it is. Whatever it is, they run it so often that it's become so predictable that you could tell those Washington corners were sitting and jumping every route. And you thought after maybe the first two times they try like the uh, stop and go. Shout out to me and Steve. <laughs> you know, the little slug out route, the one that used to beat the Eagles all the time. And who was that defensive back that got toasted every time? His name is Ronald Darby. And he plays for the Washington football team that doesn't have a name. You'd think they'd adapt, but there was there was no adaptability. Is that a word? <laughs> no adaptation. Do you see where Dan Snyder yeah. said they might keep the name Washington football team? Of course, because he's a lazy racist and doesn't want to cave. <laughs> Fuck him. Uh, but anyways, do you the remember, offensive line. You remember in the last episode when Sean said he wasn't scared of Washington secondary? I don't wasn't. Re- I don't remember. They didn't do anything. <laughs> this the Eagles had they the defense gave up twenty points off of turnovers. They had five straight drives in the second half that started on their own side of the field. Like, I think this deep ball progression between Deshaun and Rager and Carson is going to develop 
it's going to take a few weeks to get that game speed, that game timing. These guys have really never played together. Carson and Deshaun had one game last year. So I think going forward, you can look at that as something, you know, that's trending upward. But Doug can't rely on that deep ball so much. They were just going for it. like on It's like on Madden when you just run like the four verts on every play. I don't know if anybody else does that, but sometimes I do that and just hot route all the guys into the routes I want them to run. Yeah, yeah, a little slant under, maybe an out route on the right. You see who yeah. takes where, yeah. And you got the, yeah, I feel you, dog. Ar, ar, ar. So that could, I, they need to be able to adapt as, you know, as the play calling. Don't rely on the deep ball, but incorporate it. Run it at the right time. And also... I'm glad, I'm sad that the Eagles lost. I'm sad that Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson didn't play, but I'm glad they kept them out at, if they weren't, you know, ready to play. Because we, I don't know if we mentioned it in the week one observations, but there was a shit ton of injuries in the league this year. I mean, this week. Tons of people went down with soft tissue injuries, ankle sprains. Michael Thomas of the Saints has a high ankle sprain. I'm glad they kept him out, but I believe if if a healthy Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson played in this game, I think the Eagles win. But when they they totally I don't have the thing up in front of me, but they totally abandoned the run. It was probably 75-25 pass to run ratio for those at home. So that stinks. They lost 0-1. Moving on. We'll do better, I hope. Because we have a very easy matchup against Aaron Donald next week. Yay! But Steve, uh, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and stop me if you've heard this before, lost to the Green Bay Packers this week. 43-34. to I did not think there was going to be 77 points scored in this game, but... Yeah. Here we are, and early on, it didn't look like it was going to be a shootout like at all, high-scoring game at all. Uh, I don't know who on the NFL scoreboard bingo had five to seven. Uh, <laughs> I saw that come across the bottom, and <laughs> yeah. I said, "Ah, what inning is it in?" Yeah, that was uh, the first time I actually got a glimpse of the game. That was the score, and I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" But going back and watching it, and Hey, nobody wants to pick up that blitzing corner there, and he gets a free run at uh, Kirk Cousins. Gets you know Jair Alexander gets the safety, um, and from there you know Green Bay gets another field goal. Um, you get inside of a minute to go in the first half. It's eight to seven. Green Bay's up. So I mean, this is anybody's game at this point. And then Aaron Rodgers just took over. They score two touchdowns in the last minute of the the uh, the second uh, quarter. Put up 19 points in the second quarter, and from there, I mean, it was pretty much done. The Vikings couldn't do anything in the third. Uh, the offense it was just garbage. Um, and you know, get to the fourth quarter, and you know, you're down way more than you can come back from at this point. They still put up 24 points, only due to the fact that uh, Green Bay is playing such a soft defense. But, boy, oh boy, that young secondary, they got exposed by Aaron Rodgers right off the bat. Um, I just, first of all, tough to have anybody cover Devontae Adams from the Vikings' perspective. I know teams, other teams have corners that match up much better than we do with him. But uh, I think he showed real quick that uh, he's going to be off and fly into uh, another pretty incredible year. He tied the uh, Packers franchise record 14 receptions in this game. And you know, why wouldn't you throw it to him? He's, he catches everything. So um, yeah. I had Rodgers on a, a, a resurgent year this year, I thought. I did not think it would start week one like this. Uh, he was just uh, so him to Adams. It seemed completely automatic. This game, 
you know, 43-34, it wasn't that close. Like, it, it, it tightened up at the end a little bit. This was not an actual competition. Packers came. A lot of garbage time points. Packers came, and specifically their <laughs> offense came fucking ready to play, and it just showed from the start. I don't think they keep it up all year. I think Minnesota certainly rebounds, and the division will tighten up. I don't think this is a... a a death knell of uh, Minnesota's chances for the season. But I think they'll struggle with Green Bay next time they meet him too. I think Rodgers against that secondary this year could be tough for, for the Vikings. Uh, but also, Green Bay, not perfect. Gave up a lot of points, so I guess we'll see how it plays out later. Thought he'd have They a- also backed off a lot at the end of that game. They were just kind of letting them chunk down the field. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. Run it down. You play to win the game. Yeah, I, I mean, thought the best part about this was going into this season, really. Everybody was giving Green Bay shit because they drafted quarterback in the first round and they drafted another running back in the second round. And they were all, you know, the stories from the beat writers and everything were that Green Bay is changing their offense. Uh, LaFleur wants a more of a power running scheme, he wants to run the ball. And then Rodgers just comes out here. By the way, first-round quarterback was inactive. <laughs> uh, I mean, you can kind of say that they're they're leaning into that power run scheme. They're running way more of those, like, whatever, the push-pass plays. that It's like a reverse, but the quarterback technically throws it because he pushes it in front of him. That is they the ran that a lot. Thing. I'm going to start a crusade against that. Yeah. So, um, will you do it with pants on? Uh, I do a lot of stuff with pants on. Actually, no, that's not true. Since I started working from home in March, I've done very few things with pants on. <laughs> yeah, and if you take Rogers out of the equation, they have six other people attempting rushes. So I think, I mean, obviously, when you when you draft AJ Dillon and you already have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I think you're looking to do that running back by committee thing. It seems to be everywhere now. You know, so many teams are doing that, and it's because you want to have a fresh guy out there. You know, anytime you want to try and push the push the envelope in the run game, and I mean, defensively in the middle for the Vikings, the middle of that defensive line wasn't very good. They got pushed around a lot. Basically, nobody got pressure on Aaron Rodgers the whole game, so... Uh, yeah, defense has a long way to go, but you have a defensive coach. We'll see, uh, you know, my biggest thing coming into this game was just, you know, what is what are these young corners and guys in the secondary going to look like? And it's going to be a really long season if they look like this all year long. I mean, not many people are even close to the type of quarterback that Aaron Rodgers is, but I mean, boy, oh boy. Got a matchup with the Colts next week, and if Colts they if they do this again, bad. yeah, if they do this again, then oh boy, if Philip Rivers lights them up, that's that's uh that's gonna be tough. We're gonna be having one hell of an episode next week. I'll tell you that. If that's the way things go, watch out. Soup might not even show up. No, he'll. I mean, so long as my team doesn't lose a game this year against a team that doesn't actually have a name, then I think I'll be fine. Oh shit! <laughs> the tip is ready for filleting. Uh, the one thing I want to say about the Packers draft, because I was mentioned and I thought about it, and now I want to talk about it. Um, to me, the running back pick in the second round was much stranger than the quarterback pick in the first. Uh, picking Bryce Love, you think the value's there? You know, Jordan. Yep. Bryce loves the running back from Stanford. <laughs> Jordan loves the one from Utah. Nice quarterback. God, Elijah. I was like, they drafted AJ Dillon, not play Bryce like Love. a champion today. <laughs> All right. But you plan ahead uh, at that position. He'll get to sit. You saw it before with Brett Favre and his texting methods, and Aaron Rodgers comes in and sits for a while. And uh, that's the plan again. So, you know, same team, same plan. Jordan Love. Will sit. Rogers is, you know. Yeah, but at least that Rogers was active on game day. That's fine. I mean, active, not active for a quarterback is nothing at all. Like, 
whether Brian Hoyer or Jared Stidham is the backup quarterback, does that mean Brian Hoyer is going to be around for longer than Jared Stidham? Maybe, because he's, you know, like a cockroach and somehow has made a career out of never actually playing. But, you know, if Jordan Love isn't active, that's fine. It's not week one of the I mean, if Rodgers breaks his leg. I was going to say, they didn't really have an issue. Like, nobody got pressure on him. The closest to an injury he got was his own lineman kicked him in the leg. If you're drafting Jordan Love for three years from now and Rodgers breaks his leg, maybe you don't want him to play week one. Maybe Rodgers broke his Mm. leg because they ran crazy through the offensive line. You drafted this guy with the assumption that you were getting value in the first round and you were going to play him two years from now. So you'll send some other asshole out there. I don't know who the Packers back. If you're drafted is. in the first round, you should be ready to play now. That is correct for every position except for quarterback. Mm-mm. Nope. I don't know. I feel like quarterback is definitely <laughs> like the biggest one, especially if it's in the top now? half of the first round. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't in the nope, top half Disney. of the first round. Oh, I know. I, I'm just saying, but like, round. you're still using a, a draft pick in the first round Premium on a quarterback. Let me think of a team that did that in the past that used a first-round pick that didn't play for three years and how it worked out. What was his name? Oh, it was Aaron Rodgers. That was like 100 years ago. This is 2020, baby. I don't think they were playing football professionally. 100. Actually, yeah, I think the Bears this were 101st year. Season, <laughs> I think the Bears were 100 years ago. <laughs> oh, Elijah, are you ready? I don't know because I don't know what's happening now. Soupy, dude, hit it. Studs and duds, studs and duds. It's all time for studs and duds. That's right, baby. We're back. It's time for studs and duds week number one. And since, Elijah, you are the new guy, why don't you give us your first stud? We have talked about it a lot in the last five minutes. Sometimes we were yelling. Uh, It was Aaron Rodgers because of what he did to the Minnesota Vikings. Did you know that he sat for a few years before he played and he was the first round (laughs) Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm going to piggyback off Rodgers because my first stud is Devontae Adams. That works very well together. 14 catches. 156 yards and two tutties. Stud! And he was also stud in DraftKings for me, so. Uh, My first stud was Wynn Wilson's father, uh, Russell. (laughs) (laughs) What an asshole he is. (laughs) He might be a stud, but he's still a fucking nerd. <laughs> uh, check out this stat line: thirty-one for thirty-five, three hundred and twenty-two yards and four touchdowns. That's a way to start the season. Holy oh shit! He also ran for twenty-nine yards. So, boy can still move. He's earning his money. Earn that paper. All right, Elijah, stud number two, 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 two. So maybe not the craziest two, stat, two, two, two. stat line of the week. Uh, but in terms of a debut in the NFL, I can't think of many better. Uh, Clyde Frog Edwards Hiller uh, for uh, <laughs> the Kansas City Hello? Chiefs. It's like French. The Fresh Prince of Hello. Honestly, you put pretty much anyone in that backfield, they're going to do well. But, you know, over 140 yards in your... Uh, Opening game, no real issues, no dropsies, no fumbles, straight ahead with power. That's how Clyde Frog gets it done. Except it's funny inside too, the five when was he like couldn't so get it in the end so zone. Much, so much hype about him, and I just didn't know. I was like, well, I mean, it seems like it's going to work, but he looks the part, so he didn't that's good for the Chiefs. do anything crazy, and he gained 140 yards. So yeah. he could not do anything crazy and break the rushing record. Because the only thing that's that, what the Chiefs offense is. Yeah. The only thing that was a concern for me was his inability to get the ball in the end zone near the goal line. Because he had like four or five opportunities to score from the one and yeah. couldn't do it. Didn't get her done. Got but still, right. a great game. Um, my second stud. Ooh. Um, okay. So the quarterback who played opposite my first stud was Matt Ryan, who threw for 450 yards, by the way, in a losing effort. Um, yeah. Mostly because they were behind a lot. 
Got but, um, yeah, I had Calvin Ridley. Um, I know Julio might have had a couple more yards than Calvin Ridley did, but Ridley catches nine balls, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, if you can get, they had three guys over 100 yards receiving. So I was just gonna say that. Yeah. That's that's what they're they're gonna need a lot of that clearly. And they still lost by a yeah. lot. Seattle hangs 38 on them, but yeah, good good game there for for Mr. Ridley. My last stud is none other than Josh Jacobs, Jingle Imer Schmidt. He ran for three oh. touchdowns. That's better than Josh Mike, Jacobs. That's better than Mike Clyde Frog. Josh <laughs> Jacobs, 93 yards and three tutties. Also added four catches, 46 yards. Fantasy darling, if I may say so myself. Josh Jacobs is a stud. Let's start off with some Dudley do-rights. And I want to go first because my first dud <laughs> happened on opening night of the season when Chris Collinsworth, before the game even starts, opens his stupid fucking mouth and says something to the effect of, I stand with the players and their fight for racial injustice, blah, blah, But, you know, can we just put that aside and we'll talk about football? No, asshole. That's the fucking point, is to talk about it. So I'm sorry to inconvenience you that you have to talk about black people having equal rights. Like, Jesus, Chris, I'm sorry. Uh, it does seem like something Chris Collinsworth would say. <laughs> I just broke Elijah. <laughs> so Chris Collinsworth is a dud, and he should have to, uh, I don't know, get out there and help the community or something. Because he's fucking scumbag. I was going to say, like, other people on TV say dumb shit like that, and then they get crucified, and I haven't heard anything not about Collinsworth, so. Shameful. I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter, but not, like, from the media or public. I mean, uh, networks. Yep. Um, my first dud, which I've already talked in length about earlier, was the uh, Vikings secondary Rodgers ripped him up, 364 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, use this as a learning opportunity and hopefully make it better. My first dud is near and dear to my heart. And I don't oh. want to feel like I'm piling on because of choices that he made. Uh, but to me, it's clear the first dud is uh, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. Uh, That's a good junior. sound bite. Junior. He left the New England Patriots in search of greener pastures. The grass is always greener with another guy. That's what they always say. And uh, <laughs> so I said, you know, when I forced my way onto this podcast and begged and cried Steve to let me on and to never let me go. Early on, I said, when Brady left, that it didn't make sense to me, and I would try to wish him well when he went away because he's done so many great things for me, and I, I didn't want to be an asshole that was uh, uh, you know, forgetting all the wonderful times in which he provided me by winning. Uh, Tom winning. may have made a mistake. Admittedly, the Saints are a very good football team, and they beat the Buccaneers pretty handily. That being said... When Gronk signed with the Buccaneers, you know, you've got uh, Mike Evans. You've got a very solid team. All of a sudden, they get Leonard Fournette. Stupid people, but people, stupid people, were starting to say, oh, the Buccaneers are loading up. They're going to be a super team. It never works when you add a bunch of older veterans on a team for the most part. It just, the dream it, team. It doesn't. Uh, there's a bunch of examples of it, some more publicized than others. I remember a while back, I think it and I'm not trying to be a dick, Sean. I think it was the Eagles, right? Uh, the dream team, yeah, yeah. Vic. Vince Young comes Vince in. Vince Young. Nam an And Vince Young ran his stupid fucking mouth about it. And then they weren't that good. And I think that's what you're going to see with the Buccaneers this year. So Brady goes in, has a very, I won't say terrible, but a subpar game. And his coach calls him out week one about it. He was like, did you see Bruce Arians' comments? 
Oh, yeah. No. It was rough. Like, you can say a bunch about Belichick, and he's a dick, and he is a dick, but I don't remember him saying about that. Any, any, at Brady's worst game, he never said anything remotely close to as critical he as that. He never said anything to him or about him to the press. He may have said That's it to his difference. face. And you know what? Yes. As an adult man, perfect. <laughs> Say it to my face. Yeah. I and, am and, not sure this is going to work. And Belichick would, would rip him apart when he needed to be ripped apart. But Brady's the type of guy that that is a motivated, motivator for him. And I think, you know, obviously <laughs> saying it to reporters is not the way to go about it. But yeah, like, if you think the guy didn't play a great game, made some mistakes, then all right. Now I know my dad's Let him know in the team with... meeting. Like, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I thought I thought that uh, Drew Brees was actually the worst quarterback uh, in this matchup. But And he may have been, but he won the game. But yeah. but to me, and I know my dad's going super long, but I was going to do, I knew this was going to happen. Uh the Buccaneers' schedule gets easier. So they've got the Panthers next week, Broncos, Chargers, Bears, Packers, Raiders, Giants. They don't meet the Saints again for two months. We'll be able to tell, I think, pretty quick. Because, you know, if you go beat the Panthers, great. If you beat the Broncos, good. If you lose to the Panthers, you lose to the Broncos, you lose to the Chargers, all of a sudden, this thing's going to fall apart quick. So I think we'll tell pretty quickly here how this... Uh, Tampa Bay experience is going. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they had a a one minute or yeah, just over one minute long drive where they scored a touchdown too. So I think that shows you it can be explosive. It's just going to take some time for them to gel together. I see. What's your first dud? I already said it. It was the Viking secondary. Boom. Good. All right. Well, my last dud is the Eagles' offense, or everybody on it, not named Dallas Goddard who absolutely showed out. And Zach Ertz, who wants a new contract, dropped a fourth and three pass that hit him in the mitts. Yikes. The whole offense, whatever that was, just go ahead and burn it. And let's start again with something that will work in the NFL. So, dud. Go ahead, Elijah. Uh, <coughs> I can't. I'm coughing. <laughs> Turn your head. thought it was Sean's turn, and I got surprised. <laughs> All right. My dud, if I survive, <laughs> is Steven Goskowski, former Patriots great kicker. He missed a lot of field goals before kicking a game winner. But here's the thing. Four. The game winner was 29 yards, and everyone acted like they won the Super Bowl because he finally made one. So the Tennessee <laughs> Titans sneak out a win despite the fact he missed four field goals. Uh... So that's He's bad. Like Crosby a couple years ago. When you're a kicker, <clears throat> just going out on a limb, you shouldn't miss four field goals. If you do, you're a dud. Jesus. Tom Brady and Steven Goskowski. Yep. Let's sense a little salt. Did you, who salt was your honorable mention? You. Because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say them now. Okay, my honorable mention was one. the Colts because they were supposed to handily beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Philip Rivers was supposed to be good at football or whatever. No, Philip Rivers lost that game. And he it, was not good. The only thing he's better or worse at, uh, the only thing he's worse at is not getting his wife pregnant. She's got nine kids. <laughs> All right. Uh, I was in a couple survivors' pools and losers' pools, and I am out of most of them now. Because I thought that Jaguars were supposed to be bad, and I thought the Colts didn't suck. And because of Phillip Rivers, I lost $5, and I will never forgive him. <laughs> All right, Soupy. Second one. You know who else had a shitty game? Odell Beckham Jr. Three receptions, 22 yards. And he's now on the shitty. trading block. What? Is he really? Apparently, he's, he's available for trade. Say the Browns. So. Uh, Allen Robinson. We'll see how quickly he ends up in New England. On the trading block. So if Odell Beckham and Allen Robinson go to New England, then you'll still finish behind the bill. Yeah, maybe sure somebody else will score true. for the Patriots. If you are talking realistically, if Odell Beckham and Allen Robinson both go to New England, you cannot possibly be picking the Bills over the Patriots. Oof. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 what? 
times. <laughs> All right, let's move on because we're already 50 minutes in and we got to preview three games. I will start. The Eagles have the home opener against the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are currently a one-point favorite coming to Philadelphia. And the big theme in this game for me is, will Doug learn from what happened week one and just mix in the deep shots instead of trying them every single play or every other play? And the whole backbone of this game is going to come down to, can Lane Johnson play and can Miles Sanders play? Because the offense just... I know it's a, it was only one week, so it's really hard to judge, especially when you have to think there's a pandemic going on. This is just a really weird year. No training camp, no no real off-season practices. So maybe they're wake up now, but their week one backs were just not very dynamic. There was not much explosiveness. They did not really help out the passing game. And the key to this game is what it should be every time a team plays the Rams. It's you can't stop Aaron Donald, but you can hope to slow him down. And hopefully your coaching staff is smart enough to scheme away from him. But we're just going to pretend like week one didn't happen and try to get a dub against the Rams, you know? I know. No diggity, no doubt. I mean, I've got the uh, Minnesota Vikings going into Indianapolis to play the Colts. Uh, there's a couple things you need to do. Number one, pressure the quarterback. For God's sake, please, somebody get in there. So mistake prone. And the other thing, stop jumping off sides. Have you seen this and throw the league? Like, I, I know there's no fans, but... Like, Aaron Rodgers was every every quarterback Ooh. who uses a hard count. They got like three or four offsides in every game, and I was just like, like like the Cowboys game. Everson Griffin was offsides like seventeen times. Oh but my god! The, we didn't even talk about the fact that the Cowboys had a chance to get a jump started in this division, and they lost in prime time to the Rams to Jared Goof. <laughs> Didn't look like a goof early on in that game. But anyway, yeah. How about somebody hits Phillip Rivers while he still has the ball in his hands? That would be good. Um, no Marlon Mack in this game, so that's a plus for the Vikings. Achilles. But you got to be able to slow down uh, these receivers. I mean, I know the the Colts lost last week to the Jaguars, but Phillip Rivers still threw for like 360 yards, so... Clearly, they're going to be focused on uh, the pass game, and with this secondary that Minnesota currently has, uh, somebody's going to have to step up and make a couple plays. And turnover battle, that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins had a, I mean, just like I was talking about with Carson Wentz, the, the out route, and you don't get it to the outside, you throw it inside, and you, you give the defender an opportunity to catch the ball. Can't make mistakes like that, you know. But the the offense for Minnesota, they had a lot of time to basically practice like live game plays. You know what I mean? The second half of that game was them just, you know, tossing the ball around the yard while there was actually another team on the other side of the field. So I feel like that gives you a little bit of a, an opportunity to see what your offense is going to be like. Uh, I'd like to see Dalvin Cook maybe touch the ball more than 12 times in this game like he did last week. I know you were down a ton, but come on now. you got to feed the chef. Um, and lastly, the Minnesota Vikings have never won a game in Indianapolis, so that's something we got going for us. Yikes. Yikes. All right, <laughs> going to the Pacific Northwest. I think that the Patriots will burn Seattle as much as those forest fires. No, that's not true. Okay, actual comments. Uh, Seattle's plus four in this game. Uh, usually a team gets about two and a half to three from Vegas on on just being home. I think Seattle wins, if I'm being realistic. They're a good team. New England's, uh, you know, they beat Miami, but Miami's not shit, so... Uh, 
it's not going to be the same game you saw with Seattle against Atlanta. You know, Cam Newton's not slinging it for four four fifty in a loss. Russell Wilson, I don't think, is going to sling it for three sixty and four touchdowns. I think it'll be. I won't give the score in the winner because we're doing a pick'em show later. I think there's a chance you for said Seattle wins team to win. <laughs> bloop bloop bloop. Rewind. Um, I think the Patriots win or Seattle wins in a close game, and I will let you know my pick two days from now. Uh, when we record a podcast. Um, but no, I think that. Uh, Yeah, these are 10%, man. That was not smart. All right. Uh, I gotta, I, I'm gotta. i just going to read. Uh, nope, I already said that. Low score. I think low scoring. That'll be a Patriots thing for the year. Uh, in the end, I think it falls to the Patriots secondary. Uh, Gilmore is an aggressive corner. J.C. Jackson is a very good corner. Uh, Jason McCourty is serviceable. They won't be able to sling it like they did against Hotlanta, but we'll see what happens. And that'll be a fun matchup with Gilmore on like DK Metcalf. Those are two very like Metcalf is obviously a physical specimen, but if someone can stop him, I think it's Gilmore. Gilmore is is is, you know he's uh I don't know good I guess. He's he's a physical corner. Like he gets up in your business, and I think. A lot of the times with the young receivers, it tends to throw their game off. Sometimes he gets a flag for giving them the business. Yeah, well, you gotta do what you gotta do. Especially in life. Good transition, because on the Joint Practices podcast, we ask that anybody out there listening, if you're not registered to vote, please register to vote. It's very important that we all use our voice, stick together, and do the right thing, as it should be when it comes to social injustice. I mean, I know on this podcast we said it millions of times and we'll continue to say it. Don't be racist. If you have people in your family that are racist, call them out. Have a conversation. Tell them why they're racist. It's hard. It sucks. But guess what? These are the conversations we need to have with the people around us. And it takes all of us to change the world. So I don't want to get too political, but we need to change the world. So Yeah, and if you're a police officer, do your job the right way. You're not the judge and jury. You're supposed to get the guy into jail and get him his day in court. So please work on doing that as well. All right, and if you want to be a part of the show and have something to say, all you got to do is email us, jointpracticespod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, jointpractices, at jointpractices. I don't know if you use ats on Instagram, but we're at jointpractices on Instagram. And it's, again, jointpracticespod at gmail.com. Unlike Steve's tweet, where we probably got thousands of emails <laughs> for people to be on, but Steve gave the wrong email address in his tweet. I only have like 196 followers. We talking about <laughs> No, Follow I put, Steve. I swear it. to God, I put pod and it just auto corrected it. Either way, whether you're listening on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or Blueberry, once again, subscribe. Five star rating. Bean Pod. And share it with your friends. And also, come be a part of our seven on sevens. Please and thank you. Now it's time to think of a hashtag. Does anyone have any suggestions? Pickleball. <laughs> okay. Ah, Elijah Polwin. Send us a tweet with the hashtag pickleball. Let us know you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, those hashtags and or quote tweets and or reach out to us at joint practices at 11 the goat at Knox says, at Ron Elijah. also Stephen Knox pickleball champion Mountain Valley High School 2003 I was there I saw it he's great at it second place Brandon Arsenault third place a girl we called pickleball I don't know her name <laughs> Melissa Blodgett that was her name but I think she's married now yep well we Cindy called Blodgett's her kid? pickleball to her face 
And she was all about it. <laughs> I don't think she even liked pickles or balls. <laughs> She's married <laughs> to a dude, so she must like balls. And apparently pickles. And that's going to do it, folks. <laughs> all right. We suck, but fly, you'll fly, baby. Yeah, Skull Vikings, please win. Uh, <laughs> say do your job. Yeah. We out. Newton. <laughs> 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 <laughs>